Today, we are going to talk about all payer claims databases, also known as APCDs. These are most typically state-run, either governmental or nonprofit entities that manage a type of health data that can be incredibly valuable to all kinds of different organizations, from senators and policymakers to food banks and so many things in between. If you haven't yet listened to episode 17 about claims data, definitely recommend that you check that one out as well, because claims data are what feed these APCDs. Even if you haven't listened to it yet, you can still enjoy this episode and go check it out, um, because we do talk a little bit about claims data in this episode as well. But those two episodes go really well together. Episode 17 with Lindy, where we talk about claims data, and this episode about all-payer claims databases. So I hope that you enjoy learning about a data source that you might not be aware of. And remember that not only is this data available for researchers and people who can get into the raw data, but for Colorado at least, and I think for many other states as well, the all-payer claims databases will often put out public data. So data that's already been processed that you can use for your organization. We've got tons of links in the show notes for you to check out after this lesson. Enjoy. Hello, and welcome to Heart, Soul, and Data, the podcast where we explore the human side of analytics to amplify the impact of nonprofits and social enterprises. With me, your host, Alexandra Mannerings. So I am thrilled to be joined by an expert on a very interesting data set today. She's going to walk us through what this data set is and how we can potentially use it um, as community organizations. So Julia, I'm going to let you introduce yourself. Hello. Hi, Alexandra. Thank you very much for having me today. Um, So yes, my name is Julia Tremaroli. I work at the Center for Improving Value in Healthcare, which is quite a mouthful. We call it CIVIC for short. Um, and we administrate the all-payer claims database, which means it's, it's APCD for short. Um, so I'll be using that phrase, probably both of us will be using that phrase throughout this, um, this episode. But yeah, so I'm, a, I'm an analyst here at Civic, and I work with all this crazy healthcare claims data. So let's start because most of us haven't been lucky enough to actually know what an all-claims payer database or all-payer claims database is. So tell us a little bit, like what does that actually mean? Absolutely. Um, it is a very niche part of the larger healthcare industry. I'm not entirely sure of when the very first APCD was established, but it's been in the last you know, it's been in the recent years, meaning like the last 20 years, I would say. So it's it's state-based. So each state might have one, they might not have one. They might have one that's voluntary. They might have one that's mandated. Um, Colorado happens to have one that's mandated. Um, and that was established. Um, we're about to celebrate our 10-year anniversary, which is very exciting. Um, I think next year. Ours was established and the purpose of it is to just Um, to have this collection of claims data from across the state um, submitted by both private and public healthcare payers. And when we say payer, we're talking about health insurance companies. Um, So when you have insurance through, it might be through your employer or through a public benefit like Medicaid or Medicare, Medicare Advantage, um, all of that data 
with some caveats. We could say most payer claims database if we wanted to change it to that. Um, but yeah, most claims across the state are submitted to this big resource that is then used. The purpose of it is to improve healthcare outcomes and cost and all these different things across the state. Colorado is, believe it or not, one of the premier APCDs in terms of what we've been able to do with the data, how we've been able to disseminate it. And we've also looked to other states for, for inspiration. But but yeah, it's a resource that's used in a lot of different ways. Um, it's available. I mean, not all of the data is available to, to the public, which I'm sure we'll get into in a minute. But there's lots of ways to kind of slice and dice and use the data um, to improve the lives of Coloradans. One, one term that I also want to back up a little bit, because this was something when I got into healthcare data that I had to really wrap my head around is what a claim even is, right? Because when we talk about healthcare, that's actually a really complex topic. How would you go about quantifying or measuring healthcare? And so one way that we can do it is through a claim. So can we talk a little bit about like what is, so we talked about the payers. We, we represent that we're getting all this information from the people and organizations that are actually paying for our healthcare. But when we look at the, the unit of data that we're getting, we're getting a claim. So what's a claim? I love that question. Yeah. So the claim kind of tells you, it tells you a lot of things. It doesn't tell you everything, but it tells you a lot of things. Um, it tells you who, what, where, when. We don't always know why, but that's usually the, what we have. So in terms of who we have, who is the patient and who did they see? you know, all the information. And actually we have separate files come in. So we have the claims themselves and we also have supplemental eligibility information. So with those claims, we can see, okay, let's say Alexandra went to the doctor. We have also maybe her associated address information to see, you know, where, what community is she a part of? Um, geographically, we might also have information about her race, ethnicity, et cetera, her gender. But then on the claim itself, so we have the who, um, we have the what, so what just happened? Did, did she go see the doctor? Did she go pick up a prescription at the pharmacy? Um, just a side note, we have medical claims, pharmacy claims, and dental claims in the APCD. So it's pretty comprehensive um, in terms of just the healthcare activity across the state. So anyway, getting back into it, the what. So what happened? Um, what's the procedure? So we have a bunch of different procedure codes. You know, if Alexandra went to her primary care doctor, her primary care doctor would bill the insurance company for probably seeing her, maybe running a, a couple tests, all that kind of stuff. So, um, so that kind of tells us what happened. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to stop, sorry, real quick, because I love this. This is so helpful to see all of the detail. And I think that what you, what you were just saying with the what gets at one of the big things that claims represent, because they're not your medical record, right? And you mentioned something that I think is really important is that procedure code. So, so something happens when you go to the doctor and let's say, you know, so I go to the doctor, I have my annual wellness visit and they do a blood draw on me. And then we like go over those results and they talk to me about that. In order for that physician to get paid for seeing me and for doing that blood draw and discussing the results for me, all of that information has to be translated and sent in a standardized way to whoever's gonna pay for it, right? My insurance company, Medicare, Medicaid, whatever it might be. So, so there is now this, this gap between the reality of what happened, what got written into my medical record, 
And then what got translated through this standard set of codes and ended up on the claim. That is what you were describing for the what. The nice part about that is it means we get a standard set. So I can say, okay, office visit is represented by this code and it's gonna be the same code regardless of where Alexandra went. Exactly. But as you're gonna keep going with the your list of the things we get and don't get, it's not gonna contain, it's very difficult for them to code the why. But, or other nuances of that visit aren't gonna be captured in those codes. I'm glad you added that. And the other part of the what is how much money did they spend? So there's gonna be a dollar amount associated with that what. So what did the, the, the we call it provider. So the doctor, or it could be a facility that's providing services, whatever the provider is, um, how much they got reimbursed for that. Um, but then beyond that, um, you're right, it's this standardized set of information, which is very exciting and sometimes can cause problems on the other end. But the other end of it that we also can't see is, you know, what were, what was the outcome of a test? If you have a claim that says you got a COVID test, we can't, we can see that so-and-so got a COVID test, but we can't tell, it doesn't say positive or negative. So that's one end of it where there's limits to the information that we have. So then in terms of the where, we can talk about, you know, where was this, service provided? Was it at a hospital? Was it at, um, in a doctor's office? There might be a, an address associated with that location of service. So we can see, is Alexandra traveling from Denver to Boulder to get her services? That's, you know, there's so much information. There's so much data here. And yeah, so I think that, yeah, I went the, through the who, what, where, when, um, and then of course the why we're not always totally sure about it. And then the collection of that information, we can see a larger picture as you start aggregating, you can kind of, you can follow Alexandra or whoever it is across time. You can see, you know, is she, if she has a certain um, diagnosis, is she going to the pr proper doctors? Um, is she following that standard of care? Is she picking up her prescriptions, et cetera? Um, but then on top of that, we can see the differences between what the doctors charge and what's actually getting paid and how much Alexandra is contributing versus what the payer is contributing. There's a lot of really juicy information. Yeah, and that's one of the things that makes all payer claims databases so valuable is you do get at least a representation of medical information, understanding it's not identical to actually, you know, the healthcare that you receive. And you also get in, like behavioral information to some extent. I, you can see, did I get care close to home or far away? Like you were saying, am I going to an appropriate site of care, right? Like, am I going to the ED for pink eye? Um, or, you know, am I going to my primary care provider? So that's some really cool information. So just to summarize what we talked about, basically an all payer claims database is a copy of all of the bills, basically, that uh, the different health insurance players pay for care, and they include line items on that bill. So it's sort of like a comparison might be if we could collect all of the receipts from restaurants, and you could yeah. then see on those receipts from all those restaurants if, if it can contained who was there, how much they paid for their steak, if they ordered the extra large soda. <laughs> and then we could see if, you know, this week they went to Mad Greens and next week they went to, you know, Outback Steakhouse. We can track all, all of that. Um, one of the things though I do want to address early on, because I can hear one group of people being super excited that this information would be available to help us answer some really gnarly questions about healthcare. But I can also hear another group being like, hang on, you know what about me? I was wondering if you could speak a little bit to some of the privacy issues around an APCD and what you as an APCD do to help mitigate those. 
Yes, that I mean that could come up. We could talk for a whole entire four episodes and all the different. I things understand that. that. Hi, we could do the the very high level. <laughs> yeah, which I hope folks will that will make them feel better if they have those kind of concerns. Um, but we take privacy very seriously um, at our organization, and other APCDs do as well. Probably the most obvious is that we limit any sort of access to PHI or private health information. So that's your you know, your name, your date of birth. Sometimes we collect social security number to be able to kind of match across time and across payers, which is really valuable information for us for the integrity of the data, but it's almost never required for anybody to actually analyze the data. There's very specific offshoot cases that sometimes somebody might qualify, but it's very rare. Um, You know, anytime we're transferring data with this information, when we're collecting the data from the carriers, it has to be password protected, zipped up, encrypted, all of those different safeguards. And even when we access the data, we have multi-factor authentication. I have like a special code on my phone and I have, you know, I have to change my password so often, which is great. I support it. Yeah, we take that very seriously. Um, and we, we follow all the rules of HIPAA. Um, and any other sorts of um, regulations that require um, different safeguards against um, distributing private health data. Um, and even beyond that, it's not just names and addresses. It's also, you know, dates of service. And when you, you might, even if there's not a name attached to it, or even an age or a date of birth, if there's only one knee replacement in all of rural Colorado that happened on January 1st, 2020, you know, some folks in the, the, the community might know. So in those cases, we make sure that we suppress that data and we follow rules um, with CMS, which is the Medicare and Medicaid, the, the federal agency. Um, there's lots of rules out there that we follow. So hopefully that quells any sort of fears or um, skepticism about um, the, the privacy of the data. And I think, I know we were joking about you could look at Alexandra and see what she does, but for the most part, you're, you are going to be completely de-identifying those claims, meaning you're stripping all information that would actually show that it was me, Alexandra, and instead you would see a female who did these things in this area. And even then, most of the analyses that are done with this kind of data, the value of it really isn't in an individual claim, it's in looking at patterns of lots of people over time. And so... At the base level, you do need that identifiable information to structure the data, right? To know that it was me all the way through, but then you can strip that out and then roll up the data to the point where, like you said, you're not going to be even providing information if there were just a few cases that could potentially accidentally lead to identification. Exactly. And this, this is an example of with proper safeguards in place, there's a lot of value that can be learned without ever identifying any patient. Um, Mm -hmm. And I know that there's extra safeguards in place for really sensitive information like mental health and substance abuse, which is pretty much not in the in the data at all. Yeah, we don't have it. (laughs) Exactly. So that that concerns about someone, you know, an employer finding out that I have some mental health disorder isn't possible from that data set. Exactly. Yeah. We've established what a great resource this is. What, like, why does it matter for community organizations to recognize that this great resource really does exist? Like, what could they do with it or how could they benefit from it? I could give a different answer to 100 different people if they're from 100 different perspectives. Mm -hmm. Um, But overall, these resources are meant for the community and it is a state based resource meant to improve 
the lives of Coloradans and for us to really understand what is going on behind the scenes. And I think transparency, you, you know, you hear the word transparency, we need more transparency in healthcare, but then how you do, how do you do that? And what does that even look like? And we're even still grappling with that uh, within civic of, you know, how do we be transparent with also um, following the rules of antitrust? We can't be just establishing and publishing. This is how much Anthem reimburses this provider on this day. We can't, that's not within our ability. There's a lot of different benefits depending on what kind of organization you are. If you're trying to, if you're looking at the health of your community, maybe you want to understand what's the illness burden of your population. Should you, should we be trying to get more lung doctors in this area or should we be trying to get more, you know, do we have a lack of access to primary care? Um, I mean, those are very specific examples, but, but then there's also, if you're a consumer advocacy organization and you want to make sure that folks are not getting unfairly billed for different services that they're receiving, um, maybe there's, there's different ways to use the APCD to understand, okay, hold on. Alexandra just got billed a million dollars for this hospital stay, whereas someone over here got billed $2,000. What's the difference here? What's going on here? That disparity, I don't know if that happens often or not, but those kind of questions come up pretty often about, you know, this is a crazy bill. I mean, you hear about it in the news all the time about, you know, these egregious bills that are coming through. I mean, I could talk all day about different use cases, but really at the end of the day, these resources are meant for the community um, and the community should be using it as much as, as they can. So what are different ways that an organization could use the APCD? How can they access it? One way that maybe seems obvious is to just get an extract of the data. So um, we can take a little snapshot in time. And of course, depending on what your use case is, we're probably not going to give you any sort of PHI. In that example that I gave before, if folks are trying to understand the illness burden of their population in their community, maybe over time, we can send them an extract of claims. Of course, they would have to have somebody who's data savvy and understands how to use and, and analyze millions and millions and sometimes billions of claim lines, um, which can be quite a barrier to, to access. But if an organization has that kind of capacity and capability, they can look at the claims themselves. Beyond that, and you know, that's like I said, that's a barrier for sure. So um, folks sometimes just don't have the actual analytic capability, but they might have some resources. They might have grant money, they might just have fundraising money that they really want to use to to put towards some data analytics. Um, we can also produce custom reports from our end. One of the favorite projects I've worked on in the past um, was with the EPA. <laughs> Actually, they came to us and they said, we've identified a neighborhood in Denver that seems to have environmentally influenced health outcomes. So, you know, there's not great access to food. Um, there's some in an industrial area so maybe the air quality is not so great. So they're trying to confirm with the data, with their hypothesis, thinking that that particular community is getting, their health is getting impacted by the environment. You know, can we confirm it with the illness burden or the, the diagnoses or whatever that's coming through in the ABCD? Well, I looked at that. Turns out they were right. <laughs> um, compared to the greater Denver, it's, it was just a, a neighborhood in Denver. So we were able to use those claims data to kind of see. And that was just, you know, I spent some time to work on it. I produced it and just in, a, in an Excel document. So just pretty easy. Um, that's 
and accessible form. Of course, there's a cost associated with that. You know, it takes resources. We have to keep the lights on. We have to keep the APCD running. It's a huge analytic effort. My time, it's other folks' time to kind of organize um, the whole shop. So it does cost money. In those cases, um, there's also resources available on our website um, and also just public reports that we produce on a regular basis. Um, A little bit more access to all folks, regardless of who you are, as long as you have an internet connection, which also can be a barrier. The the public reports that you all have available are really neat because you've got things that look at community, like county level information about utilization of healthcare, costs of healthcare, disease burden. You know, so there's some great information there if you're a community organization trying to understand, as you were saying, certain um, disease burdens in your area. So those public reports, which are totally free and driven by the the underlying data that you guys all have to work with are great resources. And you also have um, data bytes, sort of mm-hmm. structured yeah. extracts mm-hmm. that people can download for free that are completely de-identified, but allow for a little bit more flexible analysis, right? Yeah. And a lot of times it's just aggregated data. So it's it's going to be information. I mean, I've we're a resource for the state. So a lot of times the folks who are using the resource are state policymakers, et cetera. And if they're trying to decide on a bill that they're going to pass or something, they want some quick data to kind of see like what's going to happen here. So anytime we produce something for the public, um, we also make that available on our website. And oftentimes it is just like this underlying Excel data um, that we can just push out. So sort of carry on. I know that there's an infinite number of research questions you could ask of um, the data. Could you give a couple of examples maybe of your favorite research questions that either you or other organizations have asked of the APCD and were able to answer? Yeah, I'm really fascinated by the intersection between health data and geography. So when I was talking about that example of the, the neighborhood in Denver, there's been a couple projects that I have just really caught my eye. I'm like, well, that's really interesting. Um, just to see, especially since it's a state-based resource, so it's geographically defined in and of itself. But then when you're looking at, um, I think there was a project a while back that we were looking at the nuclear, the nuclear arsenal, the Rocky Mountain nuclear arsenal. Yes, yes, you got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, just you know, over time, what we're you know what were cancer rates looking like in that area for folks? That's actually a really cool thing there that we've been talking about, you can track disease burdens and people might be like, well, hang on, you're looking at like health care bills. How do you know disease burden? But because most people who will have developed cancer will at some point seek care for that treatment, you can make a lot of inferences. You know, it's a little bit of a guess, but it's a pretty strongly supported guess in that if anyone shows up to be treated for cancer, you can say, okay, person A was treated for cancer at least once. So we can count person A as someone who got cancer and person B was treated for cancer 15 times. So they also count as a person for cancer. So exactly. Yeah, that's an essential. There's a lot of assumptions that you kind of have to make using this, this data, this resource. Another important thing is to just recognize that this is not everyone. We don't have, for example, the VA. We don't have any of the claims for the VA because that's a federally regulated organization. Um, that's you know that whole shop that's going on there. That's federally regulated. Anything that's regulated by the feds, with the exception of Medicare and Medicare Advantage, those are still. Um, we can get in. <laughs> the details are not important, but we still we do have those claims. <laughs> But there's also some federally regulated commercial insurance. So, you know, if you get your insurance through through your employer, 
a lot of that is in the in the APCD, but some of that is not the more federal or federally regulated um, ones. So um, yeah, there's just again some assumptions you kind of have to make, which includes we also have diagnosis codes. So when we're talking about illness burden, we can see the diagnosis. You know, Alexandra was diagnosed with diabetes or something. Um, and it would be on those claims. So we can kind of see that across time. But yeah, there's there's just, there's infinite questions that we can answer. There's infinite questions we can't answer as well. So that's always important to kind of keep that in mind. But there's there's a lot of different projects. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what what would be a great example of a question that can't be answered through an all-payer? You know, we talked about some of the information that we just don't have. So if we're talking about testing like COVID tests, I think that's the biggest one that comes to mind. We we can see if somebody's been diagnosed with COVID, um, and that's something you know. If they're going to seek treatment for care of COVID, then that's that's one thing we can see and kind of track that. But if you're just a one-off, you know, getting a test in a parking lot, first of all, there's probably not going to be a claim that's generated from that. But even if there is, if you end up using your insurance company and they get billed, we're still not going to see if you get a positive test and then you just end up quarantining at home forever or for two weeks, then we wouldn't know. We wouldn't be able to see that unless you want to go to your doctor and get care. So that's kind of one end of it. But then the other end, I think, and it's, it's so frustrating because like there's two ends of the coin to it. But when we're talking about substance use disorder, there's this big rule that we cannot as APCDs and other organizations, other similar organizations cannot collect health data related to substance use disorder. And from my understanding, one of the biggest reasons behind that is there might be illicit and, you know, illegal activity that we don't want to discourage folks from seeking help. They have a fear that they might be um, getting in trouble for something like that. So we just don't have that data. Um, But at the same time, there is such a need in that population to be studying it, to be looking at the data, to be able to see what's happening across time. How are people seeking care, you know, what's, you know, are they in and out of the system? What's going on there? Um, And we just don't have that data. So there's been a lot of times when we've had to say, so sorry to you, amazing organization who has a great research proposal. We just can't support your, your work because we don't have the data. Well, and the whole opioid crisis is a great example of that, of how desperately information's needed on what's happening with that. And it's, it's not available in the APCD. That's a great point. No, and and I think you bring up so many good points in terms of how you can and can't use the data. And I I hope that people listening are starting to think about, oh, well, maybe there is a part of here that that might help me. And and the interesting thing is this isn't just for truly healthcare organizations. Um, You know, if you are a food bank, you could do some really interesting work identifying, like like sort of back to your um, EPA example, if you know there are areas that are food deserts, you could look at incidents of certain kinds of chronic diseases that we know are related to food and see if those areas have higher incidences of those. You could even look at if you open a food pantry in a certain area, does that reduce incidence of certain kinds of disease in that area You know, compared to before? And there's obviously complications about that analysis, but you start to get information anything to do with health, even if you yourself are not a healthcare organization or a healthcare provider, there's still a tremendous amount of information that can be available in an APCD. I would also say even like we, I mean, we have the claims data, but we also have the eligibility data. And that eligibility data is for, we include everybody. The other thing is everybody who has access to insurance. 
So we don't have the data for the uninsured. That's one thing to kind of note. But we have just the demographic information in the first place in terms of how many people live in this area. There's 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 information that's beyond the claims data. If you just focus on, I mean, I don't often have to go to the doctor. I'm considered a healthy non-user, but my information is still in that database. So you can see, you know, Julia lives in XYZ area and there's different, and of course there's the claims data itself is usually the richest source of information that people are trying to seek. But there's this other demographic element that is, because we collect this information on a monthly basis. So we can see where people are going, where people are living, again, where people are seeking their care, et cetera. That, you know, if you try to get that information from the census, for example, a lot of times the most up-to-date information is 10 years ago. Um, I mean, and that's not true. I don't want to diss the census, that they're great. Um, we love data. We love the census. We use the census a lot. Um, but at the same time, there's limits to that data that they have, whereas um, ours, can, I would consider it to be um, even more um, up-to-date, and uh, especially because it's just in the the area. So we, we, we also understand our community a little bit better. To clarify, because actually, I, I don't think I realized you guys have the eligibility file. So an eligibility file basically is everyone who is on some kind of insurance plan, whether it's a commercial insurance plan, Medicaid plan, Medicare fee for service, whatever that is, if somebody is paying for their healthcare, some organization, they'll be listed as a, a beneficiary or recipient as enrolled in that plan. And so that's actually a really good point that it gives you information about people in an area, whether they are using healthcare or not. And it also allows you to do some comparisons of are there demographic differences among people who are receiving care and people who are not receiving care. Um, so that's a really interesting additional piece of information that, that's available. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's kind of the overlooked because everybody's a little starry eyed over the claims, which is totally understandable. But we have this super rich piece of information as well, with just the, the eligibility data. Excellent. No, I think that's that's great. Well, and I and like I said, I hope that this conversation actually sparks more questions, right, of how could I use this data? If people wanted to learn more about your particular APCD, where should they go? Civic.org, and I'm going to spell that out because it is not your regular spelling, and it's C-I-V-H-C.org, Center for Improving Value in Healthcare, civic.org. Perfect. Thank you. And if people wanted to, to connect with you, do you have a place they could come find you? Yes. Um, my email is, well, my last name is kind of intense, but J Tremoroli, T-R-E-M-A-R-O-L-I, at civic.org. I also have a LinkedIn. I'm pretty sure I'm the only Julia Tremoroli on LinkedIn. So if anybody wants to find me, you're welcome to, to find me there. I feel the same way. I was like, I don't think I found another Alexander Mannering. So that's all you need to know about me. <laughs> yep, exactly. Yeah, very easy. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you so much for your time today. I really enjoyed this conversation. I think it's going to really open some eyes out there of availability of resources. And just to reiterate, if you know how to do data analysis, getting an extract can open so many research doors. But even if you don't, there are so many resources available for free, or you can work with Civic or a partner organization to help get information out of there. So I do recommend go to the website, check out all these amazing resources that are there um, that you can access completely for free. And then you can always work with Civic um, to do analyses for you as well. So thank you. Yeah, thanks. So I hope that this opened your eyes to a new data source if you hadn't heard of APCDs before. 
And if you have heard of APCDs but haven't used anything from them, I hope maybe you check out Civic if you're in Colorado or could use Colorado data. And if your state has an APCD, definitely recommend go and check out what they have. See what they can offer from public data, or if you can find a partnership, say at a university, uh, with a researcher who could help you do an analysis with APC data. If your state doesn't have an APCD yet, you could consider promoting the idea of one, maybe writing to your state senator or representative. This is an incredibly valuable resource for so many different organizations, and I do think we want to support their existence wherever we can. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope that you and yours stay healthy and happy. Take care. You have been listening to Heart, Soul, and Data. This podcast is brought to you by Moroccanus, an analytics education, consulting, and data services company devoted to helping nonprofits and social enterprises amplify their impacts and thrive through data. You can learn more at marakanos.com, M-E-R-A-K-I-N-O-S.com.